0: Welcome to LifeMeet. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's education coordinator. And with us today is our outreach and events coordinator, Emily Crawl. Hello. Emily, is it, is it events and outreach or outreach and events? I think it's I events remember. and outreach. Okay. It's One confusing. Of the two.
1: It's basically the same.
0: Right. Well, I coordinate education, so. Yeah.
1: Okay. I uh, coordinate fun things.
0: You do? <laughs> I do no fun things, which is how we're going to start this podcast. So you want to listen in as we have a real not fun segment. No. Um, so we're going to start out talking about uh, the Texas case again, the Texas abortion law, the heartbeat bill. Um, So, there was actually a Supreme Court hearing on November 1st, Monday, about this particular law. And the Supreme Court wasn't actually hearing a challenge to the law itself. In a very convoluted way, they were hearing uh, a challenge as to whether or not the law could be challenged. So, um, and this is going to be real important, as we'll get to in a second... So right now, the reason that the Supreme Court hasn't overturned the law, because it blatantly goes against Roe versus Wade, um, is that uh, it's not enforced by any government official. So Texas made abortions after the abortionist can detect a heartbeat illegal, but there's no criminal penalty. There's only uh, you know a civil penalty um, from a lawsuit. So typically how this works is when a pro-life law is enacted, The Supreme or the Planned Parenthood will go and sue the state's attorney general uh, and say, uh, you know, the attorney general can't enforce this law against us. And the Supreme Court or another federal court will say, um, well, you know, you're technically not being harmed by this because you're not the woman, but we're going to cheat and give you what's called third party standing and let you sue. And we're going to prevent the law from ever being enforced. And that's how it normally goes. And then in order for a pro-life law that's new to actually get enforced has to go up to the Supreme Court and get their stamp of approval. So in this case, you know, Planned Parenthood couldn't sue the Texas Attorney General and say, I mean, guess they couldn't say don't sue us, but the problem is any citizen actually anywhere can sue one of these abortionists for breaking the law. So in order for Planned Parenthood or another abortion business to successfully sue, they would have to sue... All 330 million American citizens, because potentially anybody could sue in court in Texas to collect this civil penalty. So what the uh, Planned Parenthood was at the court, or not Planned Parenthood, but does it matter, Doesn't Emily, matter, they're all the same. The abortion industry, doesn't matter. They were at the court on Monday saying, hey, we want to be able to challenge this law without someone actually having to be sued first. So they want the Supreme Court to basically cheat. Cheat the process so that they can block it before it ever actually gets enforced against any actual abortionist. So one question that I have heard from some pro-life people who are concerned about this is, well, couldn't the other side use this process? Or people who are concerned about other issues, I've seen uh, gun rights as an example, you know, Could we create this law where you can sue anybody for anything and it can't be challenged in court? And the answer to that is absolutely not. And that's because, first of all, you can sue anybody in court for any reason at any time. Uh, As any lawyer will tell you when you're trying to do something that is actually legal, the lawyer will say, well, they could still sue you and you still have to fight it. Um, I mean, I could sue you right now, Emily. I'm going to sue you for... um, Reckless endangerment because you are, um, I don't know.
1: Breathing oxygen in your office. Oh, you could
0: have COVID. I'm going to sue you for COVID. Yeah. There you go. Um, and she would have to go to court and defend herself and say, I'm not going to kill him with COVID. Um, and the judge would hopefully throw that. Hopefully. Although I would prefer if I could sue you for a million dollars, that wouldn't be.
1: Yeah. But what a million dollars? What a pipe dream.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, so that can't really happen in this case, you know, it's let's say they pass a law that says, you know, um, oh, you can sue someone for owning a gun. The first time that goes into a court, a judge would say, Hmm, second amendment, no, boom. And that's the end of it. Um, so what, in order for that sort of scheme to work, they would have to create a law like Texas making owning a gun, for example, illegal, but no criminal penalty and someone could sue. But in in that case, a judge would look at it and say, "Uh, oh, no, nope, Second Amendment, you can't do that. Boom, that's the end of it. So in this case, with Texas Abortions Law, uh, you know, a pro-lifer could sue the abortionist who broke the law, and then a judge is going to say, oh, hmm, Roe versus Wade, boom, no, that's the end of it. But the problem is uh, that hasn't happened yet. And so what the the reason this is working is because nobody has sued really an abortionist yet. Although there is the one case There's two where, cases. okay, where they're like their own suing their own side.
1: Yeah. Well, one of them is a man suing because he wants the law declared unconstitutional, and the other one just wants the ten thousand dollar reward. Okay. So.
0: So. Um, so that could certainly happen, and when that eventually works its way through the court, unless you know, in the Dobbs case, we overturn Roe versus Wade a judge is going to declare the Texas law unconstitutional, and that's the end of it. So the reason this is confusing for people is the abortion industry wants to cheat the legal process and have the law declared unconstitutional before there's any actual case or controversy. So, you know, this really can't be abused in another circumstance, Emily. I mean, you can't... You couldn't take something that's specifically constitutional and say, no, I mean, you can't write a law that's saying, you know, you could sue someone for owning, you know, a rutabaga. You know, I mean, it, if you, if you ban rutabagas, then it would be illegal, you know, it, it wouldn't matter. Um, so if you hear someone trying to make the argument that, oh, well, what if this sort of, this is an abuse of power, this process, and it's like, no, it's just the abortion industry wants to not have to deal with defending themselves in court. They want to be able to cheat the process and skip an extra step. Um, That's all it is. And it's working because that hasn't happened yet. And so, you know, Texas's law was never really meant to be like a long-term law that lasts. It was either meant to a be, you know, is it going to be either A immediately thrown out, which it wasn't because the judges are actually following correct judicial procedure. Uh, B, it was going to be in effect for a short time and save a lot of lives, which is what it looks like it's going to be right now. Or C, it was going to be used to challenge Roe versus Wade at some point, although that's not going to happen because the Mississippi case, oral arguments starting in a couple weeks and a decision in 2022, that's going to be the one to determine Roe versus Wade. So all Texas did here was a really slick legal maneuver, taking advantage of the abortion industry's greed and their lack of courage. Yeah. and it's not gonna, this is not going to have really uh, long-term implications other than the fact that I don't know, an extra 2,000 people are alive.
1: That's pretty Which good, is pretty long-term. good That's yeah. generationally long term, and it's very interesting, really, there's not there's nothing stopping abortionists in Texas from performing abortion after a heartbeat. There's nothing stopping them other than the threat of a civil lawsuit. And so I think it speaks more to the fact that they are so afraid of the discovery process.
0: that oh, yeah. That's,
1: that's the only thing I can think of is that they are so afraid of having the truth about their businesses known that it's enough to scare them.
0: Or they don't want to pay the money.
1: Or they don't want to pay the money. Even
0: though they can call up as we said many times, they can call up Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, George Soros. They can call up the guys. Biden administration. They can go up people who collectively own more than a trillion dollars and get a bailout. So it's just really laziness. I, th- you know, I think a, a little angle to it is they just don't like being challenged.
1: Probably. They don't have to
0: want to defend what they're doing. They've never um, had
1: to,
0: right? Because the Supreme Court has always let them cheat. And it's supposed to be the women who are supposed to sue because it's supposed to be the women who have the right to abortion. But no, the way the court set it up, really it's the doctor has the right to kill the child. And, um, you know, women is immaterial to it. Um, so that's kind of, you know, won't have a lot of legal implications in the long term. But political implications, Emily, this Texas case has had a lot. Maybe not as many as Terry McAuliffe hoped, <laughs> right?
1: No, no, not a, not enough for him anyway. So after this Texas abortion thing went down on September 1st is when it went into effect and then if you follow the news you notice that abortion has been the major talking point of certain political parties um, in the United States. Um, Planned Parenthood and their abortion allies have been spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on advertising and campaigns saying that you know The big scary conservatives are trying to, you know, rule over women's bodies or some crazy thing like that. And so what we saw in Virginia this last week is we had, of course, the the gubernatorial race in Virginia between the very 100% pro-abortion McAuliffe and the moderate, he's not 100%, Pro life, but he's the most pro-life care he was the pro-life person on the ballot in Yunkin. Um, I think he's got a couple of, of exceptions in there. And the McCullough campaign went one hundred percent for the abortion angle. They had advertisements, they were having rallies outside of Planned Parenthoods, they were pushing, pushing, pushing that angle. And what we saw from the exit polling in the race, which of course Yunkin won, um, was that people really didn't vote because of the abortion issue only six percent of the voters in Virginia said that abortion was their their number one issue Um, and the majority of those who said abortion is their number one issue were voting pro-life so um, I think it just goes to show with that polling specifically and the the change in demographics and and beliefs around the country is that pro-abortion in individuals are really 100 percent all about the abortion topic but that's not where the majority of people are when you get down and you talk to people and you challenge beliefs, you find that most people and what the closest polling we have is something like seventy percent of americans want restrictions on abortion and so it just seems like a losing topic um, which is interesting why the Biden administration is pushing it so much. But it's a good sign in the fact that for pro-life legislators, for pro-life politicians who are worried about being pro-life and and pushing pro-life legislation um, because they're afraid of backlash, don't worry about the backlash because it might not even exist. There will be a few loud people screaming on social media, but that seems like pretty much it.
0: So, the, in that Virginia governor's race, I mean, Terry McAuliffe really did try to make abortion a central topic in the campaign. Now, his opponent, Glenn Youngkin, the uh, governor-elect of Virginia, it, he's not a 100% pro-life Mm-mm. guy, because uh, he has exceptions. Um, and he kind of was a little wishy-washy. Uh, he's your
1: classic.
0: I mean, he, he did say that, you know, I'm going to work to ban taxpayer-funded abortions. We're going to work to, to ban late-term, funded abor- late-term abortions. So, obviously, a huge improvement for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, but he didn't really, you know, he, 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 didn't, didn't, re- he didn't really go it. out there. Um, but Terry McAuliffe, but, but I mean, he had the same position that Donald Trump has. On pro-life issues and others that you know for the abortion industry everything left or excuse me everything to the right or whatever you want to tie it everything over from complete total abortion on demand uh, you know whenever we want it however we want it paid for by the tax dollars is, is radical for them um, and so McAuliffe really 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 tried and it was just nothing yeah absolutely nothing it got absolutely no traction, and McAuliffe got. I mean, I would say the equivalent of being trounced, given the, uh, you know, Virginia is a very democratic state now. With Northern Virginia, um,
1: being mini being DC, dramatic.
0: yeah, it'd be a dramatic change. A lot of people working in the federal government live there. Um,
1: it is risking their lives on
0: the DC Metro.
1: Yeah, <laughs> every we, day. you have to remember this is the same Virginia that what was it? They had Ralph Northam. Mr. Infanticide, Mr. Infanticide, who talked in public about making infants that have been born comfortable while they have a discussion with the family on whether or not they were going to let that baby live or not. So this, the same Virginia that was just a couple of years ago, and now they've started swinging in the correct direction on at least some of their individuals who will be leading them are. Very firm in the pro life topic. The lieutenant governor elect is very, very pro life, and so it's it's a good thing to see. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and a lot of pro life politicians uh, tend to get so clammed up. I think
1: they're gonna scream at me on social media, right?
0: Because you know, well, no one likes to get screamed at. Uh, sometimes they're a little nervous because they don't know really how to defend their view very well. Uh, and sometimes there have been plenty of pro life politicians who can't explain their position out of a wet paper bag. Um, But, I mean, people get so hung up on that that polling idea, they they really think that, you know, because every year the news comes out, oh, majority of people support Roe versus Wade, because they have no clue what Roe versus Wade means. You know, abortion is really a 50-50 issue. Um, And, uh, you know, most of the... It's 50, 50 issue in terms of the ideological split. Obviously, as as you mentioned, Emily, you know, the status quo of abortion on demand, it's not a 50, 50 issue. Um, and so really if you're pro-life, do not feel afraid at all to express your beliefs, um, obviously, you know, don't scream at people. No, screaming uh, at people
1: doesn't work. That's what the pro abortions do. It's not very pleasant.
0: It's not. And if they scream at you, so what?
1: If they scream at you, well...
0: No one's no one's been canceled for being pro-life yet. Really. I mean, well... The
1: Leiden was. Well, Kinda. I
0: mean, they will... I mean, like, Facebook and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, like, no one's <clears> lost their job, really, because they're pro-life. Not yet. Not well, yet. Well,
1: nurses in Illinois have. But right. that's Illinois.
0: That's Illinois. We don't like Illinois.
1: no. Illinois kind of makes or me Or Ohio, Ill.
0: but Ohio's better than Illinois.
1: Ohio's better than Illinois,
0: yeah. That's right.
1: It's mostly sports we don't like Ohio for. And that whole War of Toledo Did I say go thing? Buckeyes on the podcast? Yeah, you said... Just uh, keep
0: the radio on. I root for the Buckeyes podcast. once a year, so... Well, you're a state fan. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm a state fan, so I root for the Buckeyes once a year and have no shame about it. So.
0: That's There's no Illinois fan. No. no. one likes the Fighting line No. Okay. Um... Anyway, a little brief detour there. Uh, so, a lot of people... I Actually, I was interesting. The, the Supreme Court arguments in the Texas case didn't get a lot of news. But that makes sense because the, the whole enchilada is really December 1st, oral arguments in the Dobbs case, Roe versus Wade on the line. You know, this Texas case is just kind of a, a happy accident um, in the meantime that have saved, you know... The, I think the, their abortion numbers have declined by more than 2,000. Now some of those women probably traveled out of state, but most of them probably didn't. So at, at least a thousand human beings are alive today only because of this little slick legal strategy that um, took advantage of pro-abortion cowardice and the Texas legal and code. kind of jujitsued how the abortion industry has been allowed to cheat. Um, with how they, their legal challenges work in the court system. So I always love a little pro-life jujitsu. We've got 10 minutes left, Emily.
1: What are we going to do for 10 minutes? What are we going to talk? Well, we could mention, so this is National Adoption Month um, here in the United States, and it's kind of a big deal. We like to celebrate adoption, and maybe we could talk about a certain New York <laughs> Times tweet <laughs> that came up. So, you,
0: you and your, you and your tweets. I no.
1: love talking about things crazy people say on social media. Okay,
0: so to set this up, uh, CNN had a segment that was talking about inflation, which is you know it's not really our issue, uh, and they were interviewing a family with many children, um, and they were talking about the price of milk, and they were saying that they go through was it eleven gallons of milk, gallons. twelve gallons of milk a week. And, you know, when the, when the price increases $0.80 cents and you multiply that out, you know, that has an effect on the budget. Um, so, whatever. So, how, you know, kind of why we thought it was worth commenting on it on Twitter. Um, so, a lot of people, generally of the more democratic, liberal, left-wing, however you want to say it, persuasion, uh, were dinging CNN, of all people. Um, and this family for being like weird, like who buys, who buys that much milk and milk doesn't cost, you know, you can't buy milk anywhere for $2 in America. Well, I mean, we won't get into, you know, the fact that groceries tend to be cheaper in some rural areas that make up most of the country. Um, we're not going to get into an economic argument, but I just thought it was so interesting, like. For two reasons. One, you know, the, the the abortion supporters tend to be very against the idea of families having a lot of children. Um, that this, that's been a historical norm since the dawn of mankind up until, you know, 1960, you know, is somehow this weird aberration that we can make fun of, you know. They don't want you to make fun of the fact that they don't want any kids or whatever. Um, but they in return will make fun of you for having more kids, a little hypocrisy there. Um, you know, don't judge my reproductive choices, but we're going to judge the ever living daylights out of yours. Um, but then the other thing too, is this family, Emily, of I think nine
1: kids, I think it was nine kids.
0: I think two, two were biological. Um, six were adopted and one was a foster child, a foster child. So Emily, what's the number one, I don't know the number one, what's the most, one of the most common arguments that pro boards go to when we talk about abortion? They
1: always say the foster children that need homes and if, if you want to save babies from abortion, adopt them yourselves. And we're sitting here and I saw this on social media and I just had to, I just had to laugh because right. it was the same people. Who are saying, all you pro-life people aren't out there in line to adopt every baby, which is a lie. You don't care about foster children, which is a lie. And here you have the same people being absolutely horrible to this family that is made up of adoption and foster Yeah, kids. And Those kids
0: drink milk. <laughs> those like, oh those idiots. It, those it, rubes. It,
1: It just goes to show, and and especially now this came to light during National Adoption Month, and it's just how obtuse do people have to be to be so locked in their ideology that any time you have, and this isn't the only example, but numerous examples of families that adopt, that do foster care that genuinely love and care for children so the people that you're saying you should be that family but then they are super degrading to the family that's doing exactly the thing they say everybody should do it's ridiculous
0: Yeah. So ridiculous, we were defending CNN, who, by the way, has not apologized for trying to destroy the life of Nicholas Samet. Just going to lay it out there, although they did settle the lawsuit. Um, but yeah, we were taking the... And, then, and we decided to pick as our particular foil the New York Times.
1: Yes. It was actually the New York Times crossword like making
0: we, some joke about it
1: they they made some joke of something like sorry can't complete the crossword i'm too busy carrying yeah, like buy, yeah, yeah. but there were
0: a lot of people it wasn't just like random people it was oh, no. very the very intelligent the blue check mark right yeah the blue check mark class all these people on these verified users on twitter who are the the elites and the smart folk um i don't know you, you can't you, i mean you can't win so pro-lifers now, not not every person who supports abortion is like that. But just keep in mind that for the hardcore people who really support abortion, there's nothing that you can do to prove that you aren't a horrible monster who, you know, actually... You know, you could say, you know, I have... I have I'm taking care of seven adopted children, and there's still something wrong with you. Because um, you're not on their side. So, for the hardcore, hardened, pro-abortion activists who... I mean, sometimes they change their mind, but generally don't... You can't really worry about what they think. Because they're
1: not thinking morally or ethically or logically. They're just thinking, I want abortion. Right. It's my
0: tribe versus your tribe. Yeah. Whatever your tribe does is bad. doesn't matter um, unless you join my tribe. Yeah. Um, So don't care about what they think. Now, you know, people in the middle, obviously, if you have uh, a bunch of adopted kids, they're going to think that's great and... Um, That's great. And obviously as pro-life person, you should be, you know, doesn't matter whether or not they like it, you're doing it. Why? Because you want to help children because that's what pro-life people like to do. You know, it'd be interesting, Emily, I've never seen statistics about, um, I don't want to speculate too much, but like, you know, the politics of people who actually take in foster children.
1: That would be interesting. Have you interesting. ever seen anything? I haven't. It might be out there, though. Okay. It would take some we'll digging. Have to, we'll
0: have to look into it. So I want to make an assumption that people who would say they're more pro-life um, would tend to take care of more foster children and do more adoptions than not. But my sus- suspicion from my own observations, and I know plenty of people who aren't pro-life, um, would be that generally pro-life people tend to be more into adoption and taking care of foster children and all that. Um, So yeah, so I think because it's adoption month, I think might as well bring that up real quick too. You know, the whole idea that we have all these children languishing in foster care, it's not quite true. Um, There are certain kids in the foster care system who are generally older, very close to graduating, who are very difficult to adopt. So we're talking 15, 16 year old children Um, and obviously, uh, that's, you know, can be a very difficult situation. Most people want to adopt children who are younger simply because, you know, they can have more time with them. Uh, We do have an adoption story on our website of, uh, his name was John Boker. He passed away recently. Um, but he had adopted, they adopted a teenager, uh, one of our staff members who is pregnant right now, adopted, adopted a teenager. Isn't that how it goes? That's a different, yeah, it does. (laughs) It's a very different experience. But, uh, so he was only in their house for a year, but, um, you know, still to this day, he is, you know, he was passed away that, uh, the gentleman's father. So, you know, most of the children in foster care are, they're trying to be reunited with their parents, which is, should be the number one goal if possible, um, Most of the hard to adopt foster children, there's some kind of thing that makes it very hard to adopt, doesn't mean that we shouldn't expend that effort, but they're not, you know, the little orphan Annie is just not very representative of how the foster care system really works in America. So if you're going to criticize us, find something legitimate to criticize us about not the amount of milk it takes for a family full of adopted children to keep them going.
1: Especially teenagers. It was mostly teenagers in that family.
0: Teenagers eat an unbelievable amount of food. Yeah. My 10-year-old. I have to tell him to stop eating.
1: It'll only get worse. It'll
0: only get worse. Well, anything else before we all retreat into the weekend, into our warm homes, and not go outside in the frigid snowing the other night?
1: Yeah, they got about a foot of snow up in Gaylord. Uh, it's not good. Oh, boy. I'm kind of jealous, but, you know, just keep in mind that we're on the right winter,
0: side. Winter, yeah, yeah.
1: It's winter, you, but... Winter. You wanted to talk about
0: something meaningful. I was going to go on about the weather. All uh, right.
1: What, well, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is coming up in a couple of months. There's going to be marches and events all over the state of Michigan. Um, if you want to get out and go check our website rtl.org for information on those and don't be worried about any hecklers on the street if you're pro-life you're on the right side
0: if you want to share some happy adoption stories we have plenty of those on our website Um, so yeah again rtl.org read them share them and promote the wonderful option of adoption all right that's all we have enjoy your weekend and we will catch you again next Friday